Futures trading is not suitable for all investors. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. The opinions shared on this podcast should not be construed as trading recommendations and do not necessarily represent the opinions of EdgeClear, the hosts, officers, and affiliates of the podcast. Hello and welcome to Behind the Screens. I have an awesome guest today, Aaron Corbs. Corbs, thank you for joining. Um, I, you know, the, you do a lot of awesome stuff. I'll let you get into it because <laughs> I'm sure we're going to cover plenty here. Um, but you know, initially, for those who don't know you, probably you know, people listening to this podcast, you just give a brief intro and a little bit of background of obviously you're in futures. That's why you're on the podcast um, about how you got started and, and what you're up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Um, so my name is Aaron Corpse. Um, I started trading back in 2014. And prior to this, I was in uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas. I was working as a window cleaner at the time. And um, in, in kind of an interesting background, I think, just in terms of very untraditional, maybe one of the things that brought me into trading, but um, no high school, no college, you know, these, these things weren't a part of my life at all. And I uh, started trading, moved out of Arkansas, and um, started off probably in a very traditional way of thinking I understand that I'm going to be a trader and not really understanding what that is. Um, so I fumbled around for a long time, just looking at these different markets, and I found my way into the futures market, which was uh, a place that felt like home. And uh, because of this, found my way into profiling, uh, you know, which is what I do now. So I'm a discretionary trader. Everything that I do is based on the fact that the market exists to facilitate a trade and to match together buyers and sellers. And from a method standpoint, I'm primarily using the volume profile to build custom micro composites to help me understand where that value is. And then once I understand where that is and, and what we're doing in relation to that, I'll look together, I'll look to put together just unique trade ideas day in and day out, depending on uh, what's in play. Um, and then most recently, uh, you know, this is going back a little bit before COVID started and COVID pretty much landlocked me, but I've been traveling um, very aggressively uh, over the past uh, probably like 15 months or so. Um, just got back to the States this weekend, so it's good to be back in the USA. I think I've been out of the States for like 10 months solid, um, and that brings us, I think, up to today. Oh, that's awesome. We'll definitely get into the traveling. I want to talk about that because when you and I first spoke, you had mentioned you were doing a lot of traveling and it just sounds incredible. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, kind of initially getting into the journey, um, what sort of led you, you know, you're doing window cleaning, like mm. what was the flip, the switch that flipped where you were like, what, you know, what are futures? How do I get into this? What am I doing? Um, you know, that type of thing, <laughs> because mm -hmm. this industry, even from my side, I tell people what I do and they're like, what, yeah. what do you do? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was back in Arkansas, um, we were raised extremely religious, you know, to the extent that nothing happened outside the church. Even if you went to school, the world would corrupt you. And, you know, so we grew up very odd in the sense, like very close minded, very small ideas about everything. And uh, I found myself in this kind of position where you know, really later in my life, I started to have thoughts that you probably should have a lot younger. And um, through a little bit of this journey, I happened upon a uh, TED talk by Tony Robbins. Um, and it was just, it blew my mind. Just hearing this man talk, it was like he just knew something about the way the world worked at a level I just didn't even know was out there. Yeah. So I ended up buying two of his programs, uh, Get the Edge and then Personal Power. And I went through those programs and it was really 
just for like the first time in my life, somebody was really speaking life into me. And this idea that you don't have to be uh, just stuck where you're at and you can create your future and here's how you do it and here's how you figure out what you want. And it was a very impactful time in my life. And it got me to think about what I really want, what's important to me, what I like to do. And I realized that, you know, if I become the best window cleaner in all of Arkansas, it's not going to get me there. This isn't the life. Yeah. Um, and so I had these two ideas. I thought about being a uh, actor in like film, sure. or I had this idea of trading stocks. Uh, I didn't know about futures. I didn't know about anything, but I think both of these to me were just like bigger than something I could imagine in my life. It was my idea of kind of like shooting big for the first time. And I think both of these would clearly, if I could be successful in them, had massive upside potential. Yeah. And so virtually in tandem, I started uh, taking acting classes as well as trying to dive into what was going on with the, the markets and uh, quickly found out. I don't think the, the life of the actor was for me, <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed trading and I really enjoyed learning about the markets. And so I just stuck with that lane and it, it kind of took me you know, all over through that and then eventually finding my way to futures and, and what I do now. Awesome. And you do, so your primary thing, you already mentioned it is profiling. So what led you, like how many iterations of kind of learning and all of this did you go through before you were like, this is the way that I want to visualize the markets. It's clean to me. It's clear. And this is how I want to trade. Oh, it was instant because I yeah. wasn't exposed to this immediately. So I tried a lot of different things. I tried some other markets. I tried a lot of strategies that were based on either just price action or some type of an indicator based strategy. And the, the strategy I was currently using when I was just realizing like, I don't know, sometimes this thing is working. Sometimes it doesn't when it works. I don't really know why it's working when it doesn't yeah. work. I have no idea why it's not working. And I just thought that was the normal thing we're supposed to be doing here. And when I, first heard somebody talking about the profile and I first saw this, it just clicked with me. Like, this is something that I can understand. This yeah. is something that it, it was kind of like, uh, maybe like in a dating relationship, when you kind of meet somebody, you realize why the other ones didn't work out. Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't really understand how, you know, I felt about trading in, in some of these things until I was introduced to the, to the volume profile. And then it was just obvious. It was like, this is the path forward. All these other things are ridiculous. <laughs> this is the way I want to go. That's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have gone down that same rabbit hole of, you know, like you said, I don't know why this isn't working. I don't know why it is working. And that's obviously not a great spot to be. And I'm sure a lot of people feel like they are on that treadmill of, hey, I, I'm winning today. Don't know why, but I am. And then the next day they try the same setup and it doesn't work out. Right. Um, so that's that's really awesome. I I feel like that's not unique, but like finding something that clicked for you that clearly um, is great. Did you, like, it was so clear when you found profiling that you were like, I don't even need to go back and test anything else or, you know, just try something different because it was just that much of a match. Oh yeah. No, never, yeah. never looked yeah. back. I've never tried another, uh, another method since just keep trying to refine the the profile. And I think especially when I first started this, there was very little practical information about it. There was the books from like Dalton and some of the old school mm -hmm. stuff and you read through them and it was good to understand these things, but what do you do today? How do you actually, you know, it was very, um, it was it, the path forward was not very clear, you know, at yeah. all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I had talked, um, 
was a while ago. I talked with uh, an old floor trader who used to take price action throughout the day and he would hand draw market profile and, and volume charts basically. But there was not, like you said, not a lot out there, right? So he was, you know, just this guy doing some weird thing on the floor to everyone else. Like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Um, but it worked for him. So I, I hear you. Um, what do you like, what do you find so consistent, I guess, about volume profiling versus some of those other methods that you had tried out? Um, is it just the way the information is laid out, makes it clear to you what's developing, what's going to work, what's not, or you know, a lot of other factors, I'm sure. Well, I think one of the biggest things for me was, and if you're trying to become a trader, you need to understand that you're either going to be trading strictly mechanical or you're going to be trading with discretion. And in the world that we live in, there is zero reason to try and trade mechanical. If you had something that worked, you would have to automate it because it would definitely be able to perform better by a bot than you could ever do it. Right. And trying to get something automated like that, you know, quite a bit of sophistication is it's much more difficult than it sounds. And so we're left with the fact that we have to be able to trade with discretion and right. we have to lean into the art side of this business and profiling allowed that where if you're just following these indicators, you know, or some kind of mechanical type strategy, you can't use discretion because then you're throwing the whole thing off, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so profiling was this thing that allowed, it even made trading much more enjoyable and interesting because it, it turned it now into this thing where I'm not just sitting there looking, waiting for these lines to cross, but I'm actively, you know, putting together the information the market is telling me. And it, it just became much more enjoyable too. Yeah. I like the way you phrase, like kind of like the art side of it, right? Um, there's an art to being able to read that and gather that information and lay it out to where, and I'm sure you probably felt like it afforded you a lot more information to either decide to not take or take more opportunities, right? You're not waiting for that line to cross this line and then that's your buy signal or sell signal. Um, you can afford to have a little more discretion as to what's a good setup look like and, you know, what's a bad setup and why, right? <laughs> Yeah, my kryptonite, though, for sure. <laughs> and I, uh, one of the probably the biggest things I've had to grow into is um, filtering out opportunities and trading less. Yeah, for sure. yeah. yeah, I, I mean, same boat here. Like, uh, I usually my analysis on the market. I do a lot with profiling as well. Um, obviously, not publicly because when I do get the chance to trade, I'm just kind of clicking here and the, you know, on my own. But uh, my biggest downfall is that. You know, throughout the day, everything else gets so busy that when I'm looking at the markets and I see my opportunity, I'm like, all right, it's time to ride. And then when it doesn't work out, I'm like, well, I got to find another opportunity now. The trade didn't work out today. It's always been the big downfall. Directionally, not an issue. Usually the read's pretty good on the market, but the the idea of like, hey, maybe it's time to just pump the brakes for the day and go focus on something else. <laughs> it's always been one that I that I struggle with. It's the competition, you know, I'm very competitive by nature. So something in me that drive to win is always still there. And that can be a, a hindrance when it comes to trading, because that's an emotion that you, you kind of need to suppress a little bit. <laughs> oh, big time. And I tell you, we, you know, one thing trading has really taught me is how similar we all are. <laughs> yeah, and I, th I think <laughs> you can come into trading thinking you're a bit more unique than you really are. And uh, it is powerful. The the uh, the mental biases that we have to deal with as traders and just like you said you know you make a trade and you're up on the day that is such a different mindset than you make that same trade and you're down on the day because yep. now you're engaged in just a whole different <laughs> mindset struggling with this bias of you know perceived loss 
Yeah. It's, I mean, the perceived loss and all of that, and it ruins the day too. Like that was part of the reason, you know, I, I do a lot more mechanical now through a program we have, because for me, it was like, I cannot start my day by focusing on the markets, missing my opportunity to take a few trades in the morning and then go back to my day-to-day business and be down. Cause it was just such a, you know, frustrating way like it was affecting everything else with my interactions with our clients and other people because I'm frustrated, right? So it was like, I got to, you know, push this aside for a bit and just pop it into something that's it's automated and go hands off for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I definitely understand that aspect of it. How does your, like, what's an average day, especially while you were traveling to, like, what does that look like for you as far as, you know, night before getting ready to trade, getting into your other stuff as well, because you do a lot with, you know, education and other materials. So what does that look like for you? Yeah, very similar to what you were saying. Uh, Trading will take so much from you in terms of energy. And uh, the way I try to focus it is mainly like Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, full days of trading. And then uh, Mondays and Fridays try to be a little bit more in the morning and then off in the afternoons to um, have the ability to interact with other obligations that I have. Um, something like getting off the screens, just having a conversation, you know, this, uh, I would enjoy this a lot, but trying to think creatively or problem solve is very hard at the end of a trading day. But, um, and the routine stays very much the same. And one of the biggest things about traveling a lot is you introduce an insane amount of chaos into your life. And so it's very important to level things out, you know, for your health and for your, your everything. Um, so yeah, everything starts exactly the same. Sleep is very, very important to me. Um, I track it with an aura ring, a few other metrics in my life I track, but it's a very important one. And um, when I really started to understand this, the ability that I have to deal with issues when I am well slept as opposed to not, and when you can really put a number to that, um, it's powerful. So I don't use an alarm or anything, but I'll wake up uh, virtually around the same time. It just adjusted for what the time zone is. So, you know, the same type of time, let's say it'll be equivalent to around 5 uh, a.m. Eastern time, but you know, it would depend somewhere else. So I usually go to bed pretty early. Um, I, I you know, really focus on getting to sleep, especially during the week. And then as soon as I get up, the first thing I'll do is just hydrate. Um, usually around like a liter and a half, you know, have to guess on that normally. And then uh, I'll just stress my body straight away. I have a pretty quick routine that I do. It's just all um, my own um, weight. So no equipment or anything like this, but I'll hit that hard and usually take a shower right after that, do a quick meditation. And then I have a few minutes of, uh, i grab a coffee and do like a mindfulness, just try to prioritize things, keep the vision clear and uh, focus on that before the day begins. And then I usually start the day with trading um, every day. So a lot of times I'll be on the screens and uh, brain training app. I find those be very nice. And um, when I begin, I'm not normally starting right with prep. A lot of times I'll be doing something that is reflective from the day before, maybe retrading something or, or working on something on that side. And then I'll do the prep. Uh, I'll begin trading, trade through the day. And then uh, when I'm done trading, um, I'll have a small you know, end of day ritual that I do to kind of shut things down and help me sort of section off the rest of it. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I mean, your morning routine, that's like quintessential, like getting focused, right? I think when I was like, you know, probably even five, six years ago, it was kind of just a haphazard, like wake up, drink a coffee, go into the office, you know, nothing else to it other than that. And when I really started focusing on 
know, I wake up early now. I usually get a workout in. Mm. I chug a bunch of water. Don't even have a coffee until I actually get to the office. So that's probably two hours after I've woken up now. Mm. It's changed my entire ability to concentrate, focus. And I think that's a huge thing that gets overlooked with people who, who are trading and doing this every day is your routine needs to set you up for that success, right? Like if you're out having a few drinks the night before and you stumble onto your computer 20 minutes before you're getting ready to trade the next day, like you're not going to be in an awesome mindset to, <laughs> to put some trades in that day. Um, you know, it's probably better. You probably take the day off and refocus off a different time. So, yeah, yeah. it's very um, much a lifestyle. Um, and I think it should be looked at that way. This is yeah. an incredible upside potential to this business, but we are mental athletes and our, yeah. our mental, you know, you cannot just be out drinking and partying and think you're going to be mental focused. And, and a lot of jobs you can, a lot of jobs you can turn up, be pretty dusty on the job and it's fine. This yeah. you can't. Yeah. It's just not going to work. <laughs> it's no, no. not going to work at all. Oh, that's awesome. So um, something else you had mentioned, like, you know, part of your morning routine and everything. Are you trade like, if you're in the more, you know, in, it's in the morning, sort of the trading day, whenever it is for you, and you have a pretty good session, maybe you're afforded a few opportunities, trades look good. Are you kind of backing away from the screens at that point? Or are you staying engaged throughout the entire session to make sure you're capturing all of those opportunities? Yeah, it, it really depends. So I find typically once we once we get through to especially July, and then until we roll over all the way here yeah. that the summer months are very difficult for me. Um, and, and we're in a lot of situations sometimes where I understand that the way I'm looking at the market is extremely technical. If we're dealing with rollover, if we're dealing with big news events, if, if a lot of things that could throw off that normal auction process. And I should expect the, the levels I'm looking at and yeah. the action to just be tough. And so there is a lot of wisdom in understanding when is the time to push that gas pedal down because the market doesn't necessarily always look like you know, these opportunities every single day, sometimes it's extremely dry. And then sometimes it's extremely favorable. And yeah. it's very important when it is time to press the gas to press it. So I, I would say most typically I'm not, um, but this is a tough business. And there are a lot of times, and I think, you know, it's fresh on my mind right now because the, you know, the, the summer months have just not been that favorable. And there will be times where, you know, if I'm just up on the day and everything's going smooth and maybe I'm at, profit target where I would be happy walking away. It's so important just to lock that in and not put myself in a position where I'm going to give that back um, for mental capacity. And then just for overall, you know, P and L because there are times and sometimes little seasons of times where it's so easy to just be up and just give a significant amount of that back for no reason and yeah. surviving those times and, and, you know, re really doing that is, is really important. So yeah, it depends. Sometimes I can tell, the market is being favorable. We are in some type of balance. There's going to be a few of these outside back in opportunities. And I'm going to, you know, I'm ready to be engaged and just clean up. And then there are other times where I might be up on the day, but it was brutal. And I, yeah. you know, I, things were going, I just tell, like, I don't have a good read on this. I better just, you know, walk away with what I have. And I think it's a very difficult thing to, to get that and to be okay with that. And, and, but it's a, yeah, it's an important strategic decision we have to make as traders. Yeah, it definitely is. How long you think, like for me, that's something, you know, sort of with the overtrading part, like that's something that I've struggled with in the past as well is that, hey, I, I may be up, but man, that was like skin of my teeth, rough morning. The action might have been slow. I was sweating some of those trades out, like just walk away. How long did it 
kind of take for you to develop that like sort of, it's almost like an instinct, right? At some point it becomes almost like an instinct, right? But um, it's tough to, to focus on doing that actively, right? It's like, uh, it's hard, it's hard to be conscious of when to do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think in a lot of ways, and I forget who was saying this, but like a good, a good gauge of intelligence is how quickly you can learn from your mistakes and move on. Yeah. And uh, I do not think I'm particularly strong at that because <laughs> I will face the same issues for a very long time. But there, there does come a point, I think this is just depending on, maybe it is like an intelligence factor, but there, there's something I think where you see the movie play out enough times. And if you are really committed to what you're doing and really serious about it, you know that sense of obligation to want to be good at this and want to perform uh, out, you know, outshines that, that lower kind of need to just want to be active or, or to do something. And I would not say that I'm a role model of, you know, a quick timeline for figuring these things out, but, um, yeah, we get there at different places. I think, uh, yeah. everybody on their journey. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's, you know, I play a lot of sports and stuff too. And mm -hmm. it was like, you know, I, this is nerdy, but I, I played a lot of competitive ultimate Frisbee. And it was the same idea where, you know, there are some people who I know now who are ultra talented, way better than me. But when I played with them 10 years ago, you know, you're making the same mistakes over and over and they kind of refuse to want to change their pattern of how they were doing things. Um, but eventually, you know, if you can figure it out, then and you're putting the work in, uh, it can pay off and it can pay off pretty, you know, in big dividends as well. Right. So it's it's good to have. What about like risk control? Like, are you, when you're setting up a trade and you're looking at either the auction and, you know, are we in balance out of balance? Um, what does that look like as far as, hey, I put the trade on, it looked like a great setup, it's wrong, I'm out. Like, yeah. That's it. Yeah. I, I think something very important to understand when you're a trader, especially, you know, everything I say is going to be through the lens of day trading. And, and you change that a little bit, all of a sudden, what I say might be useless, but. I think it's very important as traders to understand the difference between a failed entry and a failed idea. And there will be a lot of times where my entry failed, but the idea is still valid. Um, and for me, I would much rather take smaller losses than take bigger losses. You know, almost always the, some things change depending on what the trade idea is. So there's a few different entry, um, either patterns or, or ways that I'll look to enter the market almost always on pullbacks and ideally like a pullback on lower volume, you know, these would be nice things to see. Um, and um, ideally too, and maybe the majority of the time I'll have some type, even just in the price action, I'll have a, a lower, lower, a higher high to just kind of lean against. Um, some could call those sucker stops, but there's also always some type of timing that you can see with the ebb and flow of the market, usually like a longer term one that's bigger swings. And then there's a granular one. And so I pay close attention to that and when I'm looking for entries specifically. Um, and I usually try to make sure that I'm getting the, the, you know, the right ebb and flow there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, and, and that's a hard thing too, right? I think for people who, you know, struggle with some of the things that we've already kind of touched on, which could be like over trading or you, know, you might be underfunded or oversized for your balance too, it becomes hard to look and get into that flow because you're having to stress about every other aspect of the trade versus just taking the trade. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I mean, you know, if you know what I mean by that, like of if you're underfunded, you're stressed about, well, I need this to be a winner because mm -hmm. otherwise if it's not, then I'm, I'm done for the day. 
um, or you're oversized, right? And you're like, well, this better work out because if it doesn't, I'm taking a huge loss way beyond what I'm comfortable with. And those types of factors, right? It's like you almost have to just keep working. Like you said, we're mental athletes, right? You have to keep working and working and working to make sure that you're putting in the time to be comfortable with what you're doing so that you're not thinking about these other factors and bringing those other emotions into play. That's when I find people tend to, and you could definitely talk about maybe some of the traders you've interacted with, but like from a observing clients trading, the people who tend to get the most frustrated are the people who have not found that comfortability of this is my market, this is my size, and this is my plan. It's kind of just a winging it. And so that makes everything stressful, right? Yeah. Yeah, to add to it, I think um, it's very much been my experience that when we're trading, the real frustrations come in when we are doing bad things, when we are performing badly, when you can honestly look then and say that you did everything correct and this trade just failed. It was a good idea. I had good opportunity. I kept my risk in check. I position size. I managed it the way I was supposed to. And it just failed. Those are, I, I find a lot easier to deal with. And when trading gets you to where you want to punch a hole in something and throw your computer out the window and scream profanities, you know, it's when you're in that situation where you make a size, you size up too big, the trade flips around on you. And now you're just in a weird spot, even if you don't know it or think about it this logically, but now there's no way you're bringing back this loss today, unless you keep the size large and then you're opening yourself up to a world there. Right. And so all these things are kind of you know, dealing with us or, or you micromanage the trade and it, and, it, and it goes to its spot or you get too greedy and don't take the trade off and it rolls back on you and you know you were supposed to. These are the things that make trading so difficult to deal with mentally. And um, if we can, it, it's all the more reason just to trade well and, and really focus on your performance because um, that's when you can have more energy in your trading, but energy will just disappear when you start performing bad. And then the market, you know, you can say it becomes unfavorable. Um, but I, I think I lost track a little bit of what the actual question was. <laughs> no, that, that I mean, I, so did I, but that was a good answer to it. I <laughs> like, okay, okay. Um, yeah, no, it, it is. It's true. Like that's when you do start to chew into that mental capacity. And it's so important. Everything we've talked about contributes to that, right? Your good morning routine and, and then actually having a plan and sticking to your plan and not doing these things that so many pitfalls of traders fall into, which is that oversizing, over leveraging, underfunding, whatever it is, right? Um, your mental capacity is just going to get chewed up. And it's, it's tough, right? Because you're trading a leveraged product, futures are leveraged. And, you know, a lot of people want to get into this and potentially take a shot for the moon. But you know, that, that that's probably not going to work out if you don't have a good foundation. No one's no one's out here, right, making their fortunes in a day off of a $25,000 account, right? It's going to take time. It's just like anything else, right? You're not going to experience a straight upward linear pattern. It's going to be ebbs and flows and you want that trajectory to remain positive, but it's never going to be a straight line, right? Um, yeah. Which is tough to accept. <laughs> Yeah. And I think it's just important to recognize that there are, you know, there are differences between people that can make money doing this and people who are losing money by doing this. There are differences. And one of those very serious actions are people that are struggling consistently are in this bad loop of trying to take a very small amount of money and make a very large amount of money. This is not how we operate in this business. And even if that worked in, in a very short amount of time, the world in general and the markets especially have a very unique way of separating people who don't deserve the money that they have. And if you were to make a ton of money in the markets, it would all be coming right back in a matter of time. Yeah.
Yeah, no, that's a great way to put it. It's incredible how, you know, whether it's quickly or over time, the market will separate that out. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And and that, you know, you get the people who get lucky for long, long periods of time. They don't even know that they're doing the wrong thing, but they're getting lucky doing the wrong thing. And all of a sudden, that usually comes back to slap you in the face pretty hard. I know because, and I've told this story a lot on the podcast before, but I think the first account I ever opened I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to put $2,000 in here and I'm going to trade 40 mini S&P contracts with every click. And it was like first few trades, no problem, whatever, made money on them. And then all of a sudden it was like huge chunk of money gone, huge chunk gone, huge chunk gone, blown up. And that was it. I was like, well, clearly I have a few things to learn. (laughs) That was uh, back when I was, you know, 22, 23 years old. So fun times. (laughs) Um, Talk to me about... I think I, I saw some the other day and part of your trading plan, right, is, uh, and this makes a lot of sense to me, but maybe for those who maybe don't understand what you mean, um, being all in right on the trade and then you can scale out profit targets, but not adding to like losing positions, right? So you're people who want to average in when they're in a position that's going against them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you, okay, I think that if you are a trader, um, there are some foundational skills that you just need to have. And one of those skills that you should be focusing on is going all in and scaling out because there is an incredible small difference between building a position and adding to a loser and adding to a loser is one of the dumbest things you can do as a trader. And if you scale out, it'll ensure that you are securing profits when the market is at least going in your favor. Um, And so for me, it's, it's a critical thing, um, especially if you are going to day trade something like futures, the idea of scaling into a position can just get out of hand so incredibly fast. Um, and uh, the, these are yeah very leveraged products. And so the ability to almost exclusively, I'll go all in and then scale out with the exception of sometimes the, the trade is meant to get in and to get out fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And that might be like an all in, all out situation. But um, I find that in, trading is a very dynamic thing that gets very messy. And the likelihood that you enter a trade, it just goes right to your stop or it just goes right to your profit target. How often does that actually happen? You know, maybe two out of 10 times. And then there's all this variation where it might get close and then roll back on you or, you know, it it might do all of these different things. And we start a trade with an initial amount of risk. But as that trade develops, the risk changes. You might start off, you know, risking a hundred dollars to try and make three or $400. But then as that trade works on, you're now risking all of this open capital um, for the, maybe the chance at getting those few extra ticks. And, and so, yeah, these are things that um, I think to, to make up for the extreme amount of uh, risk that we have to do as, as traders and, and leverage on these products, it's very wise to do that. And the way that I usually look at it is um, the first scale out, a lot of times if you can get that close to one-to-one risk reward. So if you're risking, you know, four points on a trade or something, if you can kind of get that first scale out close to that, um, that immediately, uh, depending if you're doing equal, let's say chunk outs, will cut your risk down like in a half or in a third. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I usually focus on taking a scale out for profit and then either ending the trade completely or looking for some type of a runner if, you know, on the rare sure, the market allows, which unfortunately this summer, there was not a whole lot of that going on <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> unless you wanted to sit there and watch paint dry for three hours. Um, yeah, definitely depends on market conditions, obviously, but I've, I've always found it really hard and, 
you touched on it too, like unless you're building a position, right? So I've had traits where I have an, and you know, I'm never looking at like, hey, it needs to get to this specific price for me to be in. I have an area where if the market's behaving how I would like it to for a setup in that area, I'll add. And sometimes I will go, you know, one lot there. Maybe it moves against a couple of ticks, another lot. But as soon as it moves to the point where that trade would be invalid, I'm not adding to it continually. Mm. Like I'm out. That's that's it. That's the risk. It's off for the day. If the trade didn't work out, move on, right? Um, I find that, like you said, when you're adding, you're already exposing yourself when you've got a trade that's working in your favor. It's this open profit that's potentially on the table, right? But when you're adding to a trade that's already against you, and you continue adding, you're just magnifying and multiplying that exponentially, right? Now you're in a hole where the next contract you add, you've just doubled the size of the hole you're already in. You may not even know it, but that that's what's happening, right? Um, yeah. It's never worked for me. Yeah. (laughs) A very interesting dynamic. I was just talking with somebody about this and they were making the point that your emotional system has the ability to shut down your cognitive function. Yep. And this is one of the very dangerous things about trading. And I said it earlier, I think as new traders, especially you have to learn certain skills. I think entering on pullbacks is one of these skills. There are very little that separates a horrible entry from a momentum entry. Um, uh, all in scaling out, you know, for these reasons. And, and one of those things is you don't know about yourself, how you're going to respond. You might be totally level-headed when that trade begins, and then it starts to go against you. You add in because you're building a position and then just takes that one time where you don't do the right thing. And it starts going against you even more. And then yeah. you, now you broke your rules. And now you, the, the point being avoid that situation again, do not let yourself yeah. ever be in that position because it's extremely dangerous. And all of us, at times we just don't know what something is going to do and how that's going to invoke an emotional response. And then we don't know how we're going to be behaving after that. It's very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Hugely dangerous. And trading is something that you can be the calmest person in the world. And as soon as you get into trading, all of a sudden that, that emotion starts to come out. Right. I mean, for me, I've done a lot of other things where, you know, I'm, I don't like to consider myself a quitter by any means. In fact, I'm probably too much the opposite where I'll just bang my head on the wall. So there's been a lot of stuff in my life where I've gone through frustrations learning this. I get very emotional, starts to shut down that cognitive, but I can rein it back in and remain a fairly calm person. Trading, when I first got into trading, it was like, as soon as something started to go against me, like you said, your emotions can shut down your cognitive ability. It was like, I've never experienced this before. Like Mm -hmm. my, my complete reasoning logic processor just turned off. And it was all about how do I get this back and how do I win on this particular trade? It's not a good place to be <laughs> oh, at man. all. Yeah, it's yeah. not nothing, a good place to be. Nothing pushes me to the extremes that, like trading does. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter how stressful a situation is. Doesn't matter how bad it is. Doesn't matter what I'm feeling. You know, it's fine. <laughs> but with yeah. trading, I've broken like so many notebooks and so many weird things of just like this level of rage that I've never experienced doing anything else. Yeah. It'll pull it right out of you. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's, it's insane. I mean, you know, just the amount of just frustration you can feel and then the reward, the high that you sometimes get. And it's about balancing all of that out to be consistent. Right. So you can't let the highs get you too high because if you're getting too high, the market can come smack you right back down. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's awesome. So what, um, what are you up to these days? You mentioned your state side again right now, or do you have any more travel plans going on in the near future? 
Um, yeah, I was actually, I, I, at this exact moment, I don't, I wasn't planning on coming back to the States when I did. And then I had a wedding come up that was kind of derailed it. But the original path I was on um, took me through, uh, I had this kind of like loop I was sort of on that was um, Dubai, Greece, Italy, uh, Spain. I went back to the States. And then recently I've been Mexico, Colombia, Peru, um, or Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, Chile, and I was going to go to Argentina, Brazil, jump over to South Africa and keep going. And then when the wedding came up, I switched it to Brazil and then Argentina was my last stop. And then I went back to the wedding. So I've been out of the States for like 10 months, I think. And awesome. it was nice just to come back, kind of check in on everything, see how everything's going. Yeah. And, um, and these are very long trips once, you know, all of this kind of connected. So it wasn't bad, but once you have to be like in Buenos Aires and then come back to the States, now you're talking about like a 10 plus hour traveling just to get back to the States or, you know, to Atlanta anyway. And then, uh, to maybe resume this trip and leave the States and go to South Africa is a huge trip. Yeah. Um, I also have to, flight. the holidays <laughs> are coming up. So I'll be coming back to the States for the holidays to go down South and spend time with yeah. family. And then, yeah. So I think I'll be uh, stateside for a little bit here. And then um, I'll probably resume. My loose plan right now is after the holidays, jump back in and then resume the, where I left off. Starting do, with Cape Town. do you have like any uh, horror story from traveling where like, you know, you're staying somewhere where the internet's awful and like you drop out and you're in positions or anything like that? <laughs> Hopefully yeah. not, but maybe you do. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I've got this thing ironed out and yeah. uh, I, I've got it really dialed in to avoid stuff like that. But in the past, definitely, even to the point when I'm like booking an Airbnb, I always tell them, Hey, can you, I send them the link and I say, can you just run the speed test and send it back to me? Like, I want to know how fast the internet is before we yep. go. <laughs> and, um, I'll travel with a actual cord so that I can stay plugged in. Um, I've been in the experience where the internet is very fast, but because the equipment is bad, it puts out a very slow signal. If yep. you're plugged into the internet, you get, 80 megabytes a second. And if you're using the Wi-Fi, it's 15, you know? Yeah. yeah. So um, you, you got to trade on and you, all of a sudden you, you just hear ding, ding, ding. And you're like, oh, <laughs> we're out. Profit target's hit. We're done for the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, listen, I had to ask because I feel like that, that had to have happened at least once or twice. I mean, oh, when yeah. When I was first yeah. for sure, I've been in a lot of weird situations. And it's like yeah. anything. You do it long enough and then you just learn from those things. And so- yeah. Um, recently I definitely haven't been in any, you know, type of an issue like that. It's been actually pretty smooth sailing, uh, considering how aggressive the schedule has been. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. I mean, and, uh, yeah, like you said, over 10 months, I'm sure you learn a thing or two, uh, along the way as well. So, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, cool. Aaron, I, I don't have much else for you. You know, I, I appreciate the time. If you want to chat a little bit more about like, anything else you've got going on. Um, you know, like I said, you have a lot that you offer out to traders too. So I'm sure people will find that helpful. Um, just give us, give us that info. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we, uh, I started this a little while ago and, and part of the benefit or part of the reasoning behind this was one understanding what a weird journey that I had into trading, starting off just hundred yeah. percent retail, no connections, no anything. And, how long it took me to find my way to something that made sense and how confused I was about what this job even looked like for so long. And um, also the pro the volume profile, you know, I'm in a position where I, I shouldn't have the life that I have in the sense that I don't have a high school diploma. I don't have any kind of college education. And the fact that I can 
live a life where I have the ability to, to travel full time if I want and, um, you know, have these amazing experiences. The profiling, the futures market, just trading in general, it really changed my life. Yeah. And um, so I, I work with a company called Tradeac. I helped start it and um, it's basically run. And then I just do the content creation and, and work with the traders. Man, that's sweet. You have a podcast too, right? So yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. Well, Aaron Corbs, thanks for joining me. Uh, I, you know, it was great having you on. Hopefully we can connect on one of these in the future and uh, keep, keep letting people know what you're up to because it's, it is really cool. I mean, the fact that you get to travel and do this, I, I mean, it's awesome. First time you and I connected and you were telling me where you were, I was like that. He's got to figure it out. That's a good life. Mm. <laughs> so very cool, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. appreciate you being here. Thanks for the kind words and thanks for all you guys do over here on your podcast. Absolutely. You bet. And uh, we'll be talking again soon. Take care, brother. Cheers. Cheers.